0: hello and welcome to jump cuts a podcast about movies my name is charlie i am joined by my co-host park hello and this week's special guest boneless will
1: hello i've been nerfed for my hot (laughs) takes about the
0: godfather (laughs) i gotta turn you down holy shit (laughs) putting him on the shitty mic (laughs) i moved to georgia
1: to Get out of the hellhole that is the Seattle winter. (laughs) (laughs) My mic Uh, is in the mail, so here I am on my HyperX headset. You should never buy
0: one. (laughs) Podcasting on his gamer headset. This is an anti-sponsorship for HyperX. Yes, the microphone quality is trash, and honestly, the audio
1: quality is not that good either.
0: (laughs) Well, anyways, speaking of the Godfather, as Will mentioned this week, we, at long last, watched The Godfather, a movie that's not about the mafia. Do you get it? haha ha. Okay, Did you so say this a was... movie. <laughs> Did I say a movie? <laughs> yeah, you rhymed it. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's that's my bad. <laughs> Late night recordings. I'm in the I'm in the the poetic flow right now, dude. I got the bars ready. up and writing all day. <laughs> okay, so this, as with every three hour movie we've watched, was Park's pick. So, <laughs> no, no, I I picked Stalker. I have to own up to that. That's true. You picked Stalker. Uh, <laughs> we still have not watched. I have not picked a movie longer than the movies y'all have picked because you picked Justice League. Uh, was that really my pick, or was that? that was your just... pick. Okay, I'm blaming fine. you for that. <laughs> That's fair, I guess. I was the one that told people they should watch it for the memes. So, I'll take the I'll take the blame for Justice League. Well, anyways, Godfather Park pick. So Park is gonna. I mean, you can't really recap this movie. It's too goddamn long. It's too many things happen. Too hard to recap. I'm actually, instead of reading the IMDB description, I'm going to read the Amazon description. The son of the patriarch of the most powerful crime family in New York returns home from war determined to live his own life, but is forced to take up arms in a clash between his father's traditional ways and the newcomers who threaten the family's business. You know, it's actually kind of a shit description of this movie. Now that I read it out loud (laughs) I feel like any two sentence description Of this movie is inherently bad Yeah I'm assuming most of our listeners have seen The Godfather surprisingly Actually not surprisingly Charlie had not seen The Godfather Mm -hmm. Um, We kind
1: of talked About it all the time (laughs) Yeah I've
0: told the story about the Girl on Tinder that wanted me to watch it Like at least five times (laughs) Does not need repeating Today but I picked it specifically this week because it is the 50th anniversary of The Godfather this week. So I figured it was very fitting to watch it and have Charlie finally watch it. Mm -hmm. Finally, I watched the movie on the top of IMDb. Actually, I think it's like The Dark Knight. (laughs) Wait, really? (laughs) It's either that or Shawshank. Man, what Uh, a lineup. I'm pretty sure those are the top two, but Godfather's up there.
1: I I haven't seen Shawshank in a while, but that's got to be the better of the three.
0: Shawshank is the number one, then Godfather Part One, Godfather Part Two, then The Dark Knight. Jesus Christ,
1: (laughs) (laughs) just off a cliff. (laughs) Bleak. And I I don't hate that movie, but still, like.
0: I haven't seen Godfather Part 2, but I wouldn't put any of the three movies on that list that I've seen in my top five, personally. I liked this movie, but I, you know. Uh, But now, I guess, like, to get into it, Charlie, what did you think of The Godfather, with this being your first time watching it? And don't say it was too long, because that's the wrong answer. (laughs) This movie is perfect in length. It was too long. No, it's too Shut long, up. but it's, it was really good. Like, I get it. I get, I get the hype. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'll probably watch part two sometime in the next couple of weeks. Maybe. Is it also three hours long? If it's also three hours long, I'll wait till you pick it for the podcast. It, uh, it might also totally be like two and a half to three hours long. Um, I, I assume it is. It It <laughs> is. Oh no, it's even longer. It's three hours and 20 minutes long. Oh my Jesus God. Christ. <laughs> but It's better. Like that's the thing it it's even better than part one, and that's what makes me i maybe i'll I'll watch it at some point anyways, this movie very good, dare I say great hot take the Godfather great movie <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean there's a lot of uh, the thing that stood out to me was mostly just cinematography stuff. I, there's so many shots in this movie where I'm just like, I, I've i never seen... I've never seen that shot before. I've seen... We've watched a lot of freaking movies on this show in the last two years. I have never seen one that was shot in the same way. This one is with the, the blocking, the lighting, just the way these shots are set up. It's... It's fascinating. And it makes you feel something sometimes i don't even know how to describe it there's one scene in particular that has been on the brain that i want to get y'all's thoughts on later when we get to it but it it's a good damn movie dude it's not perfect i don't think it's the best movie we've watched on the show it's it's top 10 i don't know if i would put it top five but it's really good (laughs) And Will, you've seen it before, but had it been a while since you'd seen it, or...
1: Yeah, I think I watched it in college for the first time, Uh, and yeah, this is my first time revisiting it, and I think, I I don't remember how much, I feel like I didn't remember that much of it from my first viewing, and this one, I, I left it like more lukewarm than i expected to i kind of expected to like it a little more i I still like the movie overall but it uh and i think charlie's right about like the the shots into being like a very pretty movie you know it's gorgeous obviously but uh i just uh i i don't know the the story and like the characters just didn't (laughs) didn't really grab me much despite like i think pretty much everything was like executed super well it's just like i don't know i kind of just ended up not caring that much about what happened in the movie i don't know why maybe cuz i was like maybe i was busy that day maybe so maybe because i was watching on like a laptop <laughs> but, <laughs> i don't know it's just uh i think it doesn't help that like the first 30 minutes of the movie are like pretty sleepy in my opinion pretty like you know, we say vibes movie too much on this show, but this is yet another one of those, uh, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> uh, We're just sort of like each scene just, uh, feels a lot like a little self contained, little like mobster story, right? Uh, even though I mean, they are like they're all connected really well, and like there's always like two or three different plot lines being juggled at each time, right? Uh, and that's sort of, I think, the number one thing that kept my attention, right? is like, Because the first time I watched it, I think I missed a lot of stuff. So watching through it this time, I really tried my best to, like, pay attention the whole time. Uh, and I genuinely had to, like, put an effort to do that <laughs> at certain times <laughs> uh, and, like, really make sure I was... Because there are some plot lines that are just totally resolved, like, in, like, a whispered sentence at the end of an unrelated scene. Yeah. Uh, like... The one that stands out to me the most is the the guy who gets like the horse head left in his bed, right? They like you find out that uh that guy is persuaded by that gesture <laughs> and uh their I forget if like cousin or like godson gets gets the part in the movie it was just like a whisper and a guy holding some flowers, right? Uh mm-hmm. right yeah. right after another really pivotal scene so it I think the movie, uh, this, that isn't really a criticism to me. I think it actually handles, it juggles all the different plot lines really well. Um, But uh, it, it's interesting. Most movies, I feel like, trust the audience a little, a lot less than this movie does. It,
0: this movie definitely trusts you to pay attention. I mean, it took me several times to really understand that uh, Salazzo is not tatalia's son because the whole feud starts after tatalia's son is killed who I always assumed was salazzo but it's like briefly in passing they just kind of say like oh yeah we killed Br- or we hit Bruno tatalia and like a conversation as they're moving into the house and that's oh, them saying okay. we killed his son
1: see I missed that I mm-hmm. know uh,
0: yeah like that's, that is another one of those things that I've watched this movie a lot. This movie holds a very special place for me because it's one of my dad's favorite movies. And me as a young boy hates doing yard work. I despised it. I still hate it. Um, <laughs> but whenever we were out working in the yard and we'd come inside for lunch, dad would always put on AMC, just whatever movie was playing. And I always knew that if The Godfather was playing, we weren't going to go back outside and keep working.
1: <laughs> <laughs> because the sun would set before the movie was over.
0: <laughs> we were going to sit on the couch and watch The Godfather. <laughs> Beautiful. So I, I have seen this movie countless times, you know, starting in the middle, starting at the beginning. Just, it, It's really one of my favorite films. Um that list is ever growing and really has no ranking in it. But I, I do love this movie for that too. Well, I guess since we've already brought it up, we can get a bit into the, We can get kind of right into the cinematography uh, because I know both of y'all have some points you want to bring up about it. So in this film, what makes the cinematography so special is that it is extremely dark. Every mm-hmm. shot in this film is absurdly dark to the point that Gordon Willis, the cinematographer was nicknamed the Prince of Darkness (laughs) and Paramount didn't want to publish the film initially because they thought the footage was going to be too dark and they're going to have to reshoot every scene. Yeah. There's a lot of dark sets where it is just like a spotlight on one person, very like stage lit almost. Right. Um, yeah. the one that jumps out in my head is the uh corner, not the corner, the morgue, uh after Sonny dies, when uh Vito is walking in there and he just he comes just like walking out of a black hole. Mm-hmm. It's kinda like the uh you remember in Parasite we were talking about this a few weeks ago, the <laughs> the stairs in the house, it was like that, but it was just the whole wall. Yeah. It's just a just. It's like it's like a stage, you can't see it back there. You are just spotlit on the people, at front and center of the scene, which is interesting because most movies, as you said, do not do that, probably for good reason because it seems extremely hard to pull off. But it works in this one. It's a cool effect.
1: It's interesting. I had no idea, that. Uh, cinematographer was called the prince of darkness and i i guess now that i think about it there's a lot of i guess most of the scenes take place like at night or in a really dark area but weirdly the scene that like i remember the most from the godfather is like the opening sequence (laughs) when it's Mm -hmm. bright daylight during like the wedding and that's weirdly i think one of the best one of my favorite parts of the movie at like setting like the tone for the day and feeling like i described the first half first 30 minutes of the movie as being kind of sleepy right but i think it's just like maybe like comfortable is like the uh, maybe a better word for it i think it's like it's on purpose you know i I don't think it's like an accident that the beginning of the movie is like staged that way especially with what happens with the husband later on Uh, um but it's uh, like the that wedding seems so fun (laughs) i don't know just like everything about that scene is like uh extremely like charming and also like good at setting up all our different not all the different characters but like most of the characters right
0: Yeah, you get a brief introduction to a little bit of everybody and it's bright and happy there's you know classic italian music playing the family singing
1: yeah and and it's always fun or it's fun and it's always impressive to me when someone can direct like a huge crowd and make it feel really believable like that. Yeah. Right? Where it doesn't feel like the extras are like just kind of doing whatever, <laughs> you know, and it feels really like, uh,
0: it feels like, like you're unique. at an actual wedding.
1: Yeah. You know, it's like, there's a lot of stuff that like I didn't recognize. I'm not like, I'm not Italian, you know, <laughs> I've never been to a wedding that looks that fun. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. It it seemed really like genuine and like well-constructed and like that. And also uh, another sequence that has a wedding in it, all the stuff in Italy, I feel like that I always remember that part. And those are all really like bright sequences in the film. And they're all, I mean, they're all excellently shot. I think most of the, most of the Italy stuff is like kind of a waste of time, but it all looks very, you know, even when the movie is like has stuff that I think maybe they could have cut out, It at least looks nice and is like well acted, right? It's you know, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's weird that I don't know why those scenes uh, stick out to me in my memory. When you're right, like most of the movie is like, you know, like sweaty guys whispering to each other in a dark room, right? (laughs) Uh,
0: It creates this stark, noticeable difference though between like the the happiness, the bright, fun wedding, and then you cut to. You know Don Cullion doing his business in his dark room. That's so dark you can't even see like the full edges of people's faces. You know you just see their face brightly lit. Like you can't see their hairline when it gets really close to them or anything like that. And it you know it's the separation of like the bright fun side of the family and then the the true crime underworld. Mm-hmm. Which that opening is Just so good Yeah that's like half of the most Famous lines of the movie right that Yeah that you've, you've come heard to me on, on the day Of my father's, yeah. my father's wedding My father's wedding My daughter's wedding <laughs> whichever Come me on the day of my daughter's Marlon Brando with marbles In his mouth Yeah <laughs> He doesn't just sound like that, right? Like, he's doing a voice. He's doing a voice. <laughs> okay. I, I actually was I'd actually never confirmed if it was true or not, but there was a lot, like, the whole thing was that he put marbles in his mouth to, like, push his jaw out like that.
1: I did not know he did that. Wow. <laughs> um,
0: I don't know if that's... Like, I, I've always heard that. I did not confirm that. I can actually do that real fast. That opening scene, though, is... extremely famous... And one of my favorite parts about it is Luca Brassia or Brassi, mm-hmm. Luca Brassi, Luca I Brazzi so. I shouldn't try <laughs> to do an Italian accent. No, I I'm think sorry. you should do it for every character. <laughs> <laughs> Just jump wildly between Vito voice and 20 other Italian accents the entire movie. Please. <laughs> sorry, it was not. Marbles. He shoved cotton balls into his mouth that to create the reasonable. bulldog-like appearance. <laughs> well, so really funny.
1: His face is so weirdly shaped. I guess that makes sense why he had the
0: yeah. Cotton it ball. was to puff out his cheeks and push his jaw forward, so he looked why? more like a bulldo- So he looked more bulldog-like. Why? Because okay,
1: <laughs> because no director would could tell marlon brando what to do at that point in his career I so they had to just let him do whatever
0: or did coppola tell him to do that he is also an insane person no so. so that's what's incredible about this so it was during his audition brando shoved cotton balls into his mouth to create the appearance of a bulldog jaw while delivering his lines Coppola loved it so much that when it came to filming, he had a custom-made dental appliance for him. Okay. Jesus. So, Marlon Brando did it on his own volition going to auditions, and Coppola fucking loved it. (laughs) Is that something from the book? Is he described as having a bulldog jawline in the book or something? Possibly. Um, I have not actually read the books. I really want to, but they are very long, uh... This first movie is actually like two of the books, I think. My uh, my dad, his Godfather story is that he did a book report on the Godfather in middle school.
1: That's a <laughs> uh, hilariously before there was a young movie. age to do a book
0: report. On uh, this. <laughs> Maybe it was high school. Actually, they didn't have middle school back then. It was. <laughs> Yeah, it's got to this go work back in the when fields was... during the year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you're 13, they send you to the dairy farm. 72 now, the... was my dad's senior year. Your dad is school. older than my dad. Okay. My dad graduated college in 79. So he would have been yeah. 72. Either way, he did, he did a book report before the movie came out. So he is That's in... Kind of... What at the time was high school, because high school was what, 8th through 12th grade, or 7th through 12th, what is now middle school.
1: And that's so sick that he
0: was a book reader for the Godfather. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty baller. I should, I should ask him more about imagine, that sometime. yeah, Imagine
1: but. leaving this movie and just getting to turn to somebody if he like, the book was better. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So funny, I feel movies. like that is not the general consensus. Yeah, <laughs> I almost say this case. is one of the few movies where people think that the movies are better than the books, other than Godfather Part 3. Well, yeah, that movie no, no shouldn't one did, exist.
1: No one who says the book was better, I mean, they could say that to prove that they read a book, right? They're not That's true. true. <laughs> it doesn't matter if it actually was better. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: But at the time, my understanding is that mob and mafia books were like they were they were pretty much considered schlock, right? Like they were, there were a ton of them. It was like modern YA fiction, like that kind of just churn and trash. And Coppola was told he was like, "Hey, go make this trashy movie, and you'll have enough money to like make what you want to make." And then he just was like, "Fuck you! I'm gonna make the best movie ever." <laughs> um, I just, I right as I said that, I slid. My back on my chair, and it might have sounded like I farted. It was my chair. <laughs> <can> just clarify <laughs> that in s- case that comes through the microphone.
1: <laughs> Prove it by making the sound again. If it's repeatable, then I believe you.
0: Like, oh wait, <laughs> there it was. Okay, <laughs> we got it. He just farted again. No. Uh, so we made a joke at the at our intro that this is a movie that has nothing to do with the mafia. Um, And that is because in 1970, when Coppola started making this movie, the Italian American civil rights uh, league came and tried to protest the creating of the film, tried to monitor how heavily they, you know, what they could say, what they can't say. So certain rules were put in place. Like they cannot use the word mafia. So in this entire film, Mafia is never said. Mm -hmm. And the reason they wanted this is that the Italian American Civil Rights League was founded and run by the Colombo crime family, uh, which I believe (laughs) is one of the, like, was one of the last largest crime families in New York. Amazing. Um, And so they had people on the set at all times. And as they were getting ready to film or when they were kind of prepping to film the wedding scene, the man who was supposed to play Luca Brasi died of a stroke, but Coppola had become friends with one of the mafiosos bodyguards, uh, whose name was Lenny Montana. And <coughs> what a name. he loved Lenny Montana so much that he gave him the role of Luca Brassi. So Luca Brasi, Luca Brassia, I'm, I don't know how to pronounce the last name, the role of Luca was actually played by a mobster enforcer, like a real Columbo family mob member.
1: He, he looked the part, that's for sure. Oh yeah, and he, well he's
0: also a boxer or a wrestler or something. Um,
1: any combat sport, he's doing well. <laughs> that guy was enormous.
0: <laughs> and he was so anxious to work around Marlon Brando, he was such a big fan, that when he's delivering his line to him and he kind of stutters and then like you hear paper crinkling in his hands as he looks down, he's holding the script. He couldn't remember his lines and Coppola loved the scene so much that he just left it in there. Is that
1: why they incorporated him like practicing his lines before? Yes, And so then they
0: added that later.
1: Okay. (laughs) That's great. That was very cute. Uh, That was like a surprisingly cute moment in this film. That is mostly not cute. moments.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And then, unfortunately, Luca does not last very long and is now sleeping with the fishes.
1: Yeah, Yeah. it's kind of messed up. And it it, it works for for the character that uh, uh, Marlon Brando just basically sends him off to die. And, you know, he doesn't know he's going to die, but it's an extremely dangerous thing to do, right? To become a double agent. Sending, Sending the guy that can, like, barely talk to you to become a double agent, it's like... He was prepared for this dude to die. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: yeah. And that whole, like, don't say mafia thing, if anything, it makes the movie more realistic, right? Because that's yeah. what they did. The The defense that was used was, what are you talking about? I'm not in the mafia. The mafia doesn't exist. That's a racist stereotype. You're being racist towards Italians. Yeah. <laughs> um, which, I mean... It, it existed, but yes.
1: Cut to their meetings so they're saying every slur you could ever imagine.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, and really the Godfather, like the books and also like the movies do reference a lot of real incidents that the mob and mafia were involved in. Like and Frank Sinatra. They completely changed the names and characters. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Frank Sinatra, as well as uh, the, the movie producer Waltz, it's not a reference to Walt Disney. Um, it's a reference to the president of Columbia Pictures. I think that's what it was. Um, but for Frank Sinatra to get into the war movie he was in. Oh, yeah. I, I've i heard about this. I don't remember the exact story, but it was that one of the World War II movies that like all the Rat Pack dudes were in, right? Um, uh, From Here to Eternity. Right, right. That's the movie. It was So yeah, Frank Sinatra ended up being in that movie because the, he had ties to the mob who helped him get into the film.
1: And a beautiful singing voice. <laughs> but
0: But yeah, so like there there are a lot of kind of real life connections from The Godfather to the the actual crime families in New York post World War II. Uh Which I always find interesting because in a lot of mobster movies, gang movies, it's always super over the top, which a lot of the stuff in this movie is. But it's always fun to see those kinds of connections. Like, I don't know if the family that Sinatra was involved with cut the head off of a man's $600,000 horse and put it in his bed while he was asleep. But also that's the kind of thing that could happen and nobody in the world would ever know right yeah it's because what are you going to do are you going to rat that the mob killed your horse
1: <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's believable enough you know like organized crime has done worse it's you know if if you're yeah. it is funny thinking about if he was to make godfather one but like modern you'd have to have one of the members of the family get killed by like a q QAnon guy <laughs> because that literally happened in new york a few years ago wait what (laughs) yeah some i mean whatever's left of you know crime families in new york city uh one of one of them a famous mobster in new york a couple years back got killed by a q guy who thought he was (laughs) he really needed to do it (laughs) it's hilarious why oh <laughs> not? I don't. I can't explain why Q people do what they do. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> True story, though.
0: Well, I guess we can kind of get into the the meat of the film a little bit. There's a lot, so we're not gonna hit on everything, but we can kind of hit on some like the highlights. Because if we did a walk through this film, we'd be here for a few hours. So what were some of the standout scenes to y'all outside of like the cinematography, like just storyline points, things like that. Okay. I know you said outside of the cinematography, but this is cinematography cinematography is still awesome too. (laughs) I want to talk about this scene. Okay. When Michael is assassinating, uh, it's Salazzo and the cop, right? Like Solazzo and (laughs) Captain McCluskey. Yeah. Um, the bathroom, Something about the way that they frame the shots of him walking in and out of the bathroom with the stall doors where you see him come in and it's just his head over like one of the little doors and then he comes around past the other one or like dividers, whatever they are. And then again, just the head above the little door divider, whatever it is. I don't know why it is burned into my freaking brain. (laughs) I cannot describe the unease that it made me feel i but got stage like, right, just
1: watching it you know
0: like, right yeah <laughs> i was like this is making me uncomfortable and i know because although i have not seen this movie i have listened to another podcast about it <laughs> that he's not going to die because he still has to go to sicily for half of the movie <laughs> but i was so like on edge for some reason because of the stall doors in the bathroom <laughs> And you also have the like the screeching of the train on the rails in the background mm-hmm. while he's in the bathroom. And then it happens again while he's at the table, just like adding to the stress of the whole situation, mm-hmm. yeah. overwhelming you with very loud noises.
1: Yeah, I feel like part of it is like they never show the whole bathroom because like you, never yeah. know, you have no idea if someone else is like in there or not because they just don't like the doors could be obscuring so much. It's yeah. like Very smart because you know they, they you know they like they show the whole rest of the, uh, the, the restaurant right, but the bathroom when it's like, the, it's at its, building tension sort of moment they start hiding stuff from you which is really smart.
0: Hmm. And that's yeah. If there is something in the construction, and the mechanics of this movie that is like a genius, it's it's that. Yeah. Making. shots that make you feel an unease in a way that i i can't even begin to like get into the head of the cinematographer and the director and the guy doing the lighting and all this stuff to like it is beyond my imagination to build this (laughs) shot that is so simple yet so effective and that's what i have been thinking about the most about this movie is (laughs) that freaking bathroom (laughs) and even the the
1: acting in that scene is so good like you can see after he shoots them like him like remembering to drop the gun and he drops it all weird, you know, like he does it kind of late and like, he like raises his hand nervously. Yeah. But like, it's so, it feels so real, even though, I mean, it's like impossible to imagine how this would actually go down. Right. But it's, Mm -hmm. it feels so like genuine the way he's like reacting to the whole situation.
0: Yeah. And like you said, with the, like remembering what to do as he's doing it, he shoots Salato, uh, whoever's talking to him, it's like Rocco or whatever tells him it's like two shots in the head to make sure both of them. He oh shoots Salazo, Clemenza, <laughs> Clemenza. Who the fuck is Rocco? There's a Rocco in this movie. <laughs> Duh, Maybe no. that was like just like some one-off name that was thrown around one time. Clemenza, my bad. <laughs> Clemenza tells him two shots in the head each. He shoots Salazo once and then shoots McCluskey in the throat and then very carefully lines up a second shot, like in the you know as seeing. McCleskey choking on his own blood was like oh yeah I was supposed to shoot him a second time to make sure Yeah, and then he starts to run and then he's like oh fuck I gotta throw the gun it's it you can feel the nerves he does an incredible job at playing somebody who has never killed anybody before like or at least not in this manner he is a war hero oh yeah true I mean that's how that's what uh, Clemenza says to him is that or no is it no it's Sonny who says to him like it's not like back, you know, back in Europe, like you got to get right up next to them. Mm-hmm. I that's the other thing, the standout part of this movie, it's Pacino. I know the thing that people talk about is Marlon Brando. Marlon Brando is good, but like in an almost like Christian Bale Batman cartoon way of like, <laughs> this is so. The voice and everything, like forty years later, like wow, he really did. He really did that, huh? I um, kind of agree. Yeah. Not that it's bad, but like, it. Brando is good. Pacino is far better and should be talked about far more, <laughs> in my opinion. Which makes sense because he's the Godfather, right? The movie is not about Vito; it's about Michael. Well, Vito is the Godfather to begin with. Yeah, but. The the essence of the movie isn't Vito; it's Michael growing into that and taking it over and becoming the Godfather. It is the passing of the Godfather torch to Michael. Yeah, that is where it really kind of starts to deviate from the books. Just from like I like I said, I haven't read the books, but I did go through. There's like I, I read the summary of all of them quickly before this. There's like five or six books. This movie takes up the first two books. So the first book that is just called The Godfather is primarily about Vito. Mm -hmm. It's the second book that's about Michael in Sicily and then his return. That That makes sense. Yeah. And that's where, yeah, like what I've heard is the reason the movie is so long is because Coppola was like, we are doing... All of the first two books in one movie, no compromises. <laughs> and I feel like a saner human being would have ended the movie <laughs> at the assassination in the restaurant <laughs> and then made the sequel the second book. <laughs> if Probably. it's split in the way you're describing, that seems like a pretty clear. Man, two minute fiction. movies. What? That, <laughs> that would a be crazy. Way to do that. <laughs> um, then actually, I did see something just talking about Al Pacino being the lead. So Pacino actually was nominated for best supporting actor, mm-hmm. and he did not attend the award ceremony in protest because he's not a supporting actor. He he is the lead actor in this. If like because there's always like there are movies that have co-lead actors and yeah. Al Pacino is absolutely the lead actor in this. Brando one lead, right? lead for Brando One lead yeah. for this movie and had a uh Calif- a Native American actress accept the award for him it, in his way of protesting against the treatment of American Indians in American cinema. Interesting. Yeah. That now I feel like I've heard that anecdote somewhere before, but I forgot about that. How many worst did this movie win three that's it that's best it. picture or did did this win best picture it won give me one second It won best picture best actor in a leading role and best writing okay they just called it best writing back then that's hilarious <laughs> yep it was nominated for best supporting actor had three different nominations for best actor in a supporting role. It had a nomination for best director, best costume design, best sound, best film editing, and best music. Gotcha. Who the hell won best director in 1973 then if it wasn't this? <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> I'm getting off topic, but I am. Oh, I'm curious fuck. too. Also, Cabaret was up this year too. I forgot about that. So that won best cinematography. And Bob Foss, Foss won for Cabaret.
1: Gotcha. I never I've never seen, seen, seen that, so yeah, I can't really comment. but That is surprising wow, that year, a movie that year had a better director.
0: <laughs> yeah, you had Cabaret, The Godfather, and Deliverance. Deliverance? Is that old? Yeah. Hmm. I don't know why. I thought that movie came out in, like, the 80s. 72.
1: Did it win anything for... Uh... What is it like? Uh, did they have like costume design or like.
0: Uh... It was nominated for costume design.
1: I, I was about to say, that's. Thinking about this movie, that's honestly one of my favorite parts. I think that they do like an incredible job with like dressing all the characters, which mm-hmm. I think stuff that just has like regular people almost never wins costume design. Like you have to be a period piece or, you know, something more fantastical, you know, to something like that which is kind of a shame because i think this movie does like it's like one of its biggest strengths of like letting you know what's happening to the characters uh especially al pacino uh seeing how like the way he dresses changes because he goes from just like literally in his like fatigues right to by the end of the movie his hair is slicked back he's in all black he just looks like a demon <laughs> walking around you know? <laughs> um and god they just do such a good like even uh what's his older brother older brother's name uh sonny how he's like he always flies off the handle so he's always like he never has like his coat on and he's always kind of like more like unbuttoned than everyone else right and then like tom hagan is always uh like dressed to the nines and like really you know he's Pretty much always like dressed up right yep uh and then like they you know the al pacino's outfits just get darker and darker as the like film goes on uh it's it it, it, it lets you know so much about the characters just by looking at him and his um uh american girlfriend is always in like really bright she almost looks out of place in every scene just like Mm -hmm. with like what she's wearing which works so well with like how she is like just clueless (laughs) about what's going on or like maybe doesn't want to know on purpose uh about like anything about like the family right uh and especially at the beginning Mm. at the beginning of the movie she's just like oh tell me about your dad does (laughs) (laughs) like are you kidding me
0: (laughs) my favorite (laughs) scene with her is at the very beginning of the movie when you know, when they're talking about, uh, Freddie, is that the Frank Sinatra? No, Freddie his is name. his other brother. Uh, it's the Johnny, I think Johnny, when they're talking about Johnny um she's like, well, h- how does your family know Johnny? And he's like, Oh, my, my dad did a favor for him and now he's his godfather. And she asks what he did. And he says like, well, he was in a, banned and couldn't get out of the contract with them so my dad gave him an offer that he couldn't refuse and when she asked what it was he's like yeah they Luca Brascia put a gun to his head and they <laughs> said either your signature is going to be on the contract or your brains are going to be on it and he signed the contract yeah. and she's just like stone cold <laughs> looking at him he's like yeah it's a true story yep. and
1: then she kept dating him <laughs> an insane yes. thing to do <laughs>
0: like oh what's your dad do he's the godfather she would have fit in great you know
1: from the movie it's a good thing the tinder swindler wasn't around when she was (laughs) (laughs) she would have been in trouble
0: oh poor k
1: oh i almost forgot the uh more costume design uh i love when he uh goes to vegas and uh like fredo is there and michael is at that point he is become full godfather right he's uh in all black looks like he literally just got there from new york because he did and then Mm -hmm. uh like fredo's uh he's a las vegas guy right he has like the uh, like cream colored suit with like the huge lapels and he looks like so much more casual and every i don't know they paid so much attention to what everyone should look like uh even not like the casino owner feels exactly the way casino owner should and uh, you know it's uh, can we
0: can we talk for just a moment about how the casino owner's name is mo green it's incredible. are you kidding yes. me yeah yes that's i mean i guess Come you, on, i guess man. you said
1: yourself the books were schlock right
0: <laughs> mo green
1: uh, and then really the back half of the movie is just a lot of like michael looking incredibly threatening while like talking to people who look a lot like softer than him because it's like you have him next to like Fredo and mo green and then when he uh comes back for uh his american girlfriend after his uh adventures in uh sicily watching his wife get blown up uh i have ended and she is like you know she's like a I don't know if she's a school teacher or something like that. But she's dressed. That's what yeah. it
0: seems like. She's like walking kids back or something. Yeah, she, or... she says at the start of the movie she's a teacher. Yeah, but like, That's
1: right. she seems like so like normal and especially like the setting. They're just in like the suburbs, right? And it doesn't look like anything else in the whole movie. Uh, and then it's just like it looks like he walked in from another set almost, right? Just to like come in and ruin her life. <laughs> yeah.
0: And like you have the entire time that they're just like walking down this casual street. Michael has a car tailing him, like yeah. with his bodyguards in it, just slowly creeping behind them.
1: Yeah, I was so I've you know, I've seen the movie before. I was still so heartbroken when she got in the car. I was like, no. Yeah. Don't do it's, it. It's not worth he it. He comes
0: back. He's like, I've been back for a year. I never came and saw you. Uh will you marry me?
1: That's one thing. This movie does not sell romance for me very well. I know like it has a lot of ground to cover, so it probably doesn't have time. But uh, Michael doesn't exactly feel very, like, charismatic in this movie. I'm not really feeling the love between any of these characters.
0: No, but yeah. he... So, I, I really think it is to almost reinforce what... Like, the reason he goes back for Kay, the reason he essentially manipulates her into marrying him After he's already had a wife in Sicily that he's never going to tell anybody about (laughs) uh, (laughs) is because early on Marlon Brando says, like, if you want to be a strong man, you have to be a family man.
1: Yeah.
0: And so, you know, he if he wants to be the godfather and appear, you know, like this strong, powerful figure, he has to have that family. And he knows that you know he can get K back as fucked up as it is, and so that's what he does.
1: Mm. No, it, it's all like super consistent with his character, uh, I think. You know, and it's just like, man, this is a hard scene to watch. <laughs>
0: you yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but God, we kind of have like jumped to the end of the movie, which is honestly fine. So I actually you know what I do want to talk about something in the middle of the movie a little bit. Because it's something that's taken me forever to pick up. And it's the scene when, or it's after the meeting, when Marlon Brando or I guess when the Don says, like, it's not Tatalia that's behind all of this. It's Brazzini. And he didn't know it until that day in the meeting. And I watched this scene, I think three times, I rewound it to see if there's any kind of like giveaway that I'm missing. Why, how does he know it's Brazzini? And if you watch it the entire time, Tattalia and Brazzini are constantly locking eyes with each other across the table. There are very subtle little hints that Brazzini is essentially, you know, telling Tatalia what to say through these unheard gestures unseen, like or very subtle gestures um, and that's kind of where that whole thing comes from, which then leads us into my favorite part of this movie. Cause I fucking love it so goddamn much. And that's the baptism. It's so fucking good. Uh, so basically Marlon Brando has now died. He had a heart attack while playing with his grandson you know, while they were spraying each other with pesticides for some reason. Yeah, are
1: we sure that's not what killed him? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> he has... I mean, it's almost like he has congestive heart congestive heart failure. He starts coughing, and then he collapses dead. And this is just after... I'm realizing I'm kind of talking about this in a very confusing way. This is after, though, uh, he told Michael, like, this is how they're going to come for you. This is how... Bronzini is going to come for you and try to take down the Colyons for good. And at the funeral, Michael discovers who is the betrayer, and then moves forward with his massive revenge plan. So at the baptism of his godson, he has every head of the five fa- of the other four families killed, as well as Mo Green, so that he can take over the casino. And end the wars for good. And it's done in such a cool way. With the baptism layered over it. The music from the church going on. And the best part is is that as soon as the killing starts is right when the priest asks Michael, do you renounce Satan? And he says yes. And then has (laughs) five men executed. (laughs) (laughs) So good. (laughs)
1: Yeah, he's uh he's become the Joker at that point. He's yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, like, I, I want to be able to talk about all the nuances of like the betrayal and how it all works and everything in this podcast. But there is so much to it that like all I can really do is tell you to go watch this movie if you haven't. Because yeah. um, like explaining every little aspect of the betrayal is not going to work in this medium. Like you, you have to go watch it. But yeah, what what did y'all think of the final scenes? Because I mean, honestly, it's my favorite part of the film.
1: Uh, I I liked it fine. I don't know. I think the biggest. I think I was telling all this in in the group chat that my biggest like issue with a lot of like mobster films, and I haven't seen a lot of them. I've seen like Godfather one and two, and then The Irishman. That's pretty much it but my like running problem is that uh i don't it's hard for me to get like invested with what's happening with the characters right because i mean obviously none of them are going to be likable right which is fine most you know i like i like plenty of movies with unlikable characters but i think it's just like the it's like oh is this guy gonna like succeed and like kill all these guys i'm just like i don't know i just struggle with getting super invested in that so it's like uh, i I still like the scene uh in the movie you know it's a cool way to deliver him to like show him uh killing all the other members of the families and all that but uh i wasn't like standing up and hooting and hollering or anything you know Uh, i was just kind (laughs) of like just like okay that was cool you know (laughs)
0: I mean, at the end of the day, like, it's honestly, it's, I don't necessarily say it, like, I didn't hoot and holler for it, I just love the scene, but it's also kind of a horrifying scene, because it's showing how far Michael has gone now. Mm -hmm. He went from being, I don't want to be in the family business, to, I am going to eliminate every head of the other families.
1: And I, I don't, I don't think they're, yeah, I don't think they're going for, like, hype in it, Yeah, you know, uh.
0: I just get hyped uh, because it's a fucking cool scene. Yeah,
1: it's definitely... It, it's, like, well-constructed, and I think, like, it's, it's like, the perfect, I guess, like, climax of the movie, right? But yeah. Uh, it... Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's good. It, it, it's sort of... I don't know. How I feel about this scene is how I feel about the whole movie, probably. You know, like... Mm. It, it's a good scene. Well done. You know, I'm a fan of it.
0: <laughs> yeah. For me, what was more interesting was less the the baptism massacre and more after that when he takes the uh what's the brother-in-law character's name carlo carlo yeah when he takes carlo back to the house alone and that whole like interrogation of like just you know just tell me the truth i know you did it i know you set Sonny up tell me the truth i'm not gonna hurt you what you think i'm gonna make my sister a widow tell me the truth and of course they fucking kill him yep and that is where it's like, okay, he has crossed the the one line that, like, even Vito wouldn't cross. And, you know, Sonny may have joked about crossing, but even he just, you know, he beat the shit out of the guy. He didn't kill him. Now, granted, this is for him having Sonny killed. Yeah, but- I was about
1: to say, it didn't even... I, I, I agree that, like, that's, like, the message that the movie was probably trying to say. But I disagree that, like, this is some, like, huge line crossed by michael because it's like yeah he killed his brother (laughs) like this guy cannot be trusted you have to either kill him or send him to an island somewhere
0: (laughs) i don't know if it's a huge line but it's a it's a line yeah maybe it's just like a baby step from all the people that you know Vito has had killed and maybe the distinction doesn't matter that much in the end but the way that they talk about it in the way that the sister talks about it when she comes and confronts him at the very end when she's like you waited until dad died so that you could do this. Yep. Yeah. Implying that Vito also knew but didn't do anything about it because, you know, Carlo was he was family. He's his sisters or his daughters' husband. He wasn't going to have him killed. But Michael will. And that's not some like grand statement about humanity or anything but it is a it's a punchy moment for the character and like that is the the most in control michael ever felt to me it was not when everybody else was being killed but when he was like you like you're the fucking person that i want dead the most yeah. <laughs> and now i've got you
1: <laughs> yeah although it did kind of surprise me and i'm not saying they should have done this but part of me was like Maybe tell her, like, yeah, he killed your husband, killed your brother. How do you feel about that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, come on. Because <laughs> she yeah, had to know. And I get, right? like, <laughs> Did she not know? <laughs>
0: well, no, she, like, she says, like, you know, you, I know you always blamed him for Sonny. So, like, she knows that uh, he, he at least believes that, you know, he was responsible for Sonny because he was, but she never really accepted it. Okay. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, she is, like, she is very much kind of the, I mean, she she literally is the battered wife in the film, but she, you know, she still loves him at the end of the day, so she didn't want to believe that he had her brother killed. Mm-hmm. And it's consistent with the don't talk business at the table thing of the movie, right? Where they, they just don't involve the women. Yeah. Yep. The business is the men's business.
1: Yeah, like when he... Uh... When he tells his wife, that to me was like the the biggest line crossing for me. Was yeah. when his uh, yeah, he's like he lets his wife. He's just like, oh, you know, ask me one question, and then he just lies to her straight up.
0: Uh, yeah
1: I was like, okay, here we go.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then I I know I made this reference in the Riddick episode to House of Cards, but it, in the Riddick one, it was kind of more a comical reference to it. In this, it's a very serious one. Um, so. The scene in House of Cards when, you know, he finally takes office and he knocks twice on the desk and then it cuts to black and it's like, fuck, now we have this monster in charge. We we get that exact thing here. Keep uh, the- <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. Uh, but of Kay, you know, fixing... Uh, michael a drink standing outside the room and then as she looks in you know she sees the two men essentially like swearing fealty to the godfather and then the door just gets slowly closed on her face as you know now michael is the head of the family and is kind of gone crazy right now yeah that's Mm -hmm. uh
1: incredibly well done scene but it would have been funny if this was like the era of after credit scenes and it just shows her like outside the door like did you want that drink or what like what (laughs) hey open the door (laughs) Uh,
0: scarface emerges from the darkness in chicago which is also al pacino so that would be confusing difficult (laughs) yeah We we might have to visit Godfather Part Two at some point in the future. Um, Not, I'm not going to make us do it like my next pick. Uh, But it is because Will, have you seen Part Two?
1: I have not. Well, no, I have. Yeah, what am I saying? I haven't seen three. I've seen Part Two. Uh,
0: JJ, three doesn't exist. (laughs) Um, This is a two part. These there's only two movies. (laughs) he never made a third one I don't know what you're talking about
1: he never put his daughter in the third
0: (laughs) he totally didn't make two of the best movies in the world and then one of the absolute worst
1: isn't that just perfect though for like Hollywood (laughs) you know isn't that just really sum up everything (laughs) oh yeah there's one more speaking of like sequels and stuff and I think maybe a good argument for splitting this movie into two is that Despite my complaints about this movie being too long, I kind of think we could have used a bit more time in Sicily. E- either no time or more time. Like I feel more like time it, to kind of
0: understand what he's doing there and everything.
1: Yeah, because like my one of my issues with like Michael's character is up, even including him killing uh, like the other mobster and the the cop in there to me at that point he's still kind of like a goody two shoes right like he's just he's avenging his father and he's killing like a crooked cop and another mobster like when i'm watching that i'm not i'm not like ooh, he's a big bad guy i'm just like okay those guys probably had it coming he's getting revenge for his dad sure uh but then the next time you see him in sicily he's just like evil (laughs) and he remains (laughs) evil for the rest of the film you know he just like sees this italian woman and is like i am going to marry her and intimidate her father into letting me do it it's like oh my god (laughs) it just he takes this insane dark turn that uh i'm sure in the books isn't totally out of nowhere and like they still build up his character to be more and more like into the role of the godfather of the family but it just it kind of came out of nowhere for me uh and it I don't know. I, I I wish we got to see a little bit more of like, oh, was he, like, was he always like this? Because he felt so, like, innocent in the first half of the movie, and uh, I don't know, something about Sicily just <laughs> changed him.
0: <laughs> Probably his wife being exploded. Well, no, but
1: even before. He literally. Before that, I know. But. He basically like, I mean, he didn't he didn't love that woman, you know, like he didn't have any connection to her at all. You know, He he saw her and was like, I'm going to go threaten this guy's life to let me meet her, his daughter. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, and also like the entire time he's in Sicily too, his jaw is still like wired together.
1: Apparently, I learned this I think from uh, <laughs> that other podcast Charlie was talking about. That's a different injury from him getting punched. <laughs> by the cop because that much time has passed in the books it's like a weird Mm. confusing thing where like he gets i I could be do you remember this charlie am i am i am i misremembering
0: yeah i don't know if this was like something that they filmed and then cut out of the movie or if they just did that and it feels like an incontinuity thing because they never filmed whatever happened for the movie, but I I know you can see clearly, the first few scenes in Sicily the bruise is gone, and then there's another one later where it's back and then it's gone again. So yeah, apparently I don't know what at, is supposed to have happened. Yeah, at some
1: but. point in the book, he gets punched in Italy, like he's in Sicily for for like a pretty long time before he even meets his wife there like enough time for it to appeal Then he gets punched in the face again for some other unrelated reason <laughs> but they left it in the movie it, it's it's weird um uh, yeah thank you generation lost <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah but that's i think that's part of why i'm like either make it two movies and really flesh out this silly stuff because like there's good stuff there you know some of my favorite some of the best looking scenes in the movie are there right mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. beautiful or slides. like cut a lot of it out because like the way it is in the movie now i don't feel like we get that i don't know a, a lot of it feels kind of superfluous to me right it's just like he's he's still in danger we have a meet cute and she gets blown up instantly <laughs> and i guess like <laughs> You know, it makes him a little more ornery later, but he's already pretty ornery before she dies. I don't know. Yeah. It's it's a really minor criticism from, like, a really good movie, but uh, that would be my little note for that part.
0: Well, I don't have much else for this. I've got, like, some fun little, like, things we can mention, but they're all kind of random, just fun facts about the movie. Uh if y'all want if y'all are wanting to hear any of those or we can just kinda start wrapping it up because we're already at about an hour long on this episode. Can do a fun fact segment before we wrap up if you want to. Yeah, so like I've said, I've seen this movie a ton of times. I've gone through and this and the Lord of the Rings. I've watched a lot of like the blooper reels, the commentary reels, things like that. Uh one of the most famous lines from this movie was completely ad-libbed. And that is leave the gun, take the cannoli. <laughs>
1: <That was laughs> he so came funny. up with that like, on the spot.
0: One. That was hilarious. That was like, and there, there's a lot of things like that in this movie. Um, when Marlon Brando slaps uh, what's his name, who plays Johnny Fontaine? Uh, I'm blanking. Uh, Al Martino. That was that was not scripted. He just straight up slapped him. Oh my god! <laughs> and so like his shock and like not knowing how to react to it was just his natural reaction of I just got slapped by Marlon Brando (laughs) with a bunch of cotton balls in his mouth (laughs) Uh, yeah like there's just there's a lot of like weird interesting things Uh, like I think the cat uh, that's and that's only in the first scene of the movie the cat that Marlon Brando is snuggling um, two things about it The reason the words don't necessarily line up is that the cat was purring so loud it was messing up the mics and they had to go back and (laughs) like dub everything back over. Also, that cat was a stray that Coppola just found on the Paramount picture set and just kind of gave it to Marlon Brando and was like, here you go. (laughs) It was not in the script, nothing like that. He just found this stray cat and it was snuggling in Marlon Brando's lap the entire scene. I want to do Hearts of Darkness on the podcast. Sometimes we could talk about Coppola being an insane person.
1: That's such a, that's a great documentary. It's so
0: good. As long as it's like, or as long as we're not going to watch, uh, like a we don't have to remember. watch Apocalypse Now. We just just watch Hearts of Darkness. Dude, like I've tried to go back and revisit books from school that i Oh no! not no this is about the making
1: of apocalypse now not
0: oh i know i know it's not about the heart of darkness but i find apocalypse now very boring still
1: really <laughs> really that, that's funny because that i i like apocalypse now more than the godfather
0: i like apocalypse now but it's not a movie that i'm gonna go out of my way to watch because i find it incredibly boring that's very fascinating uh that's
1: I mean I, I totally get it because it is I was thinking to myself as we were recording this "Was like why do I find the godfather more boring than apocalypse now they're very similar in pacing <laughs> you know like I was
0: also made to want or to read the heart of darkness which is what apocalypse now is loosely based around and I like that destroyed me <laughs> that book is a slog like that's what I was saying like I've gone back and I've tried to read read books from school that like i didn't appreciate at the time that i've gone back and read now and loved and i tried that with heart of darkness and i couldn't do it it's awful
1: (laughs) maybe part of it for me is just like i think the vietnam war is such a more interesting setting than like mobsters in new york it's just a personal thing
0: i don't know that's fair i haven't watched apocalypse now in forever but this is I, this is a whole tangent. I'm sorry for taking us down this path. Oh, no, you're fine. Um, oh, wait. I Here's something, though, that I just saw real fast. One last little fun fact is that George Lucas actually helped with this film because Coppola <laughs> funded American Graffiti and was not credited for it. We've done American Graffiti, so this is topical. We talked about that. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, so George Lucas... Put together the like reel of all of the crime scene photos, like when they're going through the mob war and just, you know, showing rapid scenes of, you know, images from crime scenes, the guy sleeping on the mattresses, more images from crime scenes. Lucas put that together as a favor for Coppola. And so Coppola helped fund American graffiti (laughs) and asked to not be credited for it. So what you're saying is I can blame Francis Ford Coppola for Star Wars Episode Nine. Yes. Uh, Yes? Okay, good, thank you. Also,
1: the music they were playing at the wedding at the beginning
0: uh, was jizz. (laughs) (laughs) And on that, I think we're gonna end this episode. As we just call traditional Italian music jizz. <laughs> um... <laughs> oh, the Bob was right. It's a racist uh, stereotype. <laughs> it's
1: Jesus the Star Wars Christ. version of jazz. I'm not. <laughs> I know. I know you know. Just for the listeners' benefit. <laughs> uh... <laughs> so I don't think I'm just randomly disparaging
0: some type of music. <laughs> Christ Well do we need to do recommendations For The Godfather I don't think so Go go watch this movie Okay It's good cool. I think I think we're on the same page Alrighty well that was The Godfather Thank you for listening we appreciate it As always new episodes every Thursday Find us on the stuff At Jump Cuts Pod Who knows maybe we will post on there sometimes uh park on instagram at summerhour_brewing. underscore brewing i think his camera's frozen that's fun no he was just very still <laughs> will on twitter at will Post Words and on youtube at will johnston and me on twitter at charlie b posts and on youtube at unannounced youtube project that i haven't come up with a name for yet uh but that'll be a thing it'll be about video games hooray all right cool we will see you next time will will pick a movie That's it. Okay. The Godfather. Goodbye. (laughs)